0: Welcome to the podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights. During the season of Lent, we are often asked to reflect on how we can change our lives to become more like Jesus. Towards this end, over the next six weeks, we are going to focus on what is known as the fruit of the Spirit. I hope you enjoy. Our first scripture reading today comes from Psalm 51, verses 1 through 15. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be be to God.
1: Our second scripture reading this evening comes from Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for forty days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory in all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you, then, will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. The word of the Lord.
0: Thanks be
1: to God. Well, today is the first day of Lent, so I hope that you ate all the punchkis yesterday. (laughs) Uh, I've actually been told that this isn't as big of a deal here as it was in my hometown where, where I grew up, but on Fat Tuesday, you couldn't go 10 feet without a punschki in your face where I grew up. <laughs> For those of you who might not know, and I'm hoping it's few of you, a punschki is a Polish pastry similar to a donut, usually containing a fruit or cream filling topped with powdered sugar or glaze. And it is actually spelled P-A-C-Z-K-I. I I got one laugh from the spelling. These things are huge in Michigan. This will end the Punchki section of my sermon today. (laughs) Anyway, today is the first day of Lent. It's a season of 40 days, not counting Sundays. I didn't know if you knew that. uh, Where Christians walk alongside Jesus as he journeys towards Holy Week where we mourn Jesus' death and we celebrate Jesus' resurrection. During the season of Lent, we are often asked to reflect on how we can change our lives to become more like Jesus. Towards this end, over the next six weeks, we will be focusing on what is known as the Fruits of the Spirit. Some of you might be familiar with the Fruits of the Spirit, but if you're not, let me explain what it means. In Christianity, we believe that God is manifest through the person of Jesus Christ and through the Holy Spirit. I think most of us understand the idea of God being manifest through Jesus. However, God being manifest through the Holy Spirit is a little bit more complicated. One way to think of the Holy Spirit is simply as God's presence in all things. So the Holy Spirit is God's presence in the air you breathe, the water you drink, the lilies of the field, and so on. You, as a human, have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And when you are in touch with that spirit, it causes you to embody certain qualities. These qualities are what are known as the fruits of the Spirit. And they are outlined by the Apostle Paul in his letter to the church in Galatia. Paul tells us that the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. During the season of Lent, we are going to attempt to cultivate these qualities in our lives by becoming more in touch with God's Spirit inside of us. Therefore, each week during Lent we will focus on a different quality from the fruits of the Spirit. We will examine each quality through the lens of Jesus' actions. In other words, how does Jesus demonstrate this particular fruit of the Spirit in his life? Jesus' example is going to provide the launching point for how we should implement this particular quality in our own lives. Each week the hope is that you will leave here and work on fostering that quality in your life. And starting on Sunday, we will be leaving some time to contemplate this quality in our lives, using Taze as a point of meditation. I have the pleasure of kicking off this sermon series for Alex and preaching the only sermon in it that is not going to be preached by Alex, which means that I could start this sermon series off on a really good note or a bad foot. (laughs) No pressure. This week's topic is self-control. Even though it's technically the last thing that Paul lists, I don't know why we're going in backwards order, but I'm sure there's method to the madness. It's actually quite a serendipitous pull for me because I recently had an interesting encounter with self-control. Allow me to tell you a story from last year and then follow it up with a story from last week that some of you might already know. Now about a year ago, Ellen went on some trip somewhere. I don't remember where, uh, but she left me alone for the weekend. And I'm getting older, which is why I can't remember where she went or why. But she went somewhere. The point is I was alone. I woke up that Friday with the most intense craving for crunch berries that I had ever had, or at least that I have had since I was 10 years old. For those of you who are unaware, crunch berries are a cereal under the Captain Crunch line of cereals. It is essentially 90% sugar and 10% fiberglass to rip the top of your moot, the roof of your uh, mouth to pieces but it's so delicious that you power through that pain. (laughs) So so like I said, I woke up with this crazy desire out of nowhere. So I obviously did what any responsible grown up person would do in that situation. And I went to the store and bought a box of Captain Crunch Crunch Berries and a quart of milk. And then I proceeded to have Crunch Berries for breakfast and Crunch Berries for lunch and a sensible dinner of Crunch (laughs) Berries. The next day, my craving was gone, and I was able to go about my adult life doing adult things. So last week, something similar happened. Ellen went away again, but because it was just last week, I know where she went she went on a galentine's day weekend excursion with her sisters and her mother to tampa florida where it was 80 degrees yeah when she left here it was literally in the teens so she uh upgraded on that one anyway i wake up on saturday and i don't have the same level of intense craving for crunch berries as i did last year but i figure hey Why not make this a tradition, right? (laughs) Ellen's out of town, I grab a box of Crunch Berries and we all have a good old time. So that's what I do. I bought a box of Crunch Berries and a quart of milk and I proceeded to have Crunch Berries for breakfast. I had Crunch Berries for lunch and then I felt so very, very ill by dinner. (laughs) I in fact did not eat dinner that night and I was unable to fall asleep until I took a handful of Tums. It was horrible. I mean, I know that turning 35 would change some things, but I didn't know I would get taken out by cereal. (laughs) I told my youth group this story the very next day and said, you know what, this is what being an adult is all about. You finally have all the freedom and income to do all of those things that you've always dreamed about. But it's only then that you find out that, oh, my body isn't made for these kinds of shenanigans anymore, or there are definitely unintended and unknown consequences to all of these actions. Sometimes life helps you when you lack self-control. Life will help control you through consequences. But not every time. And that's why it's important to develop the means by which to foster and grow self-control in your life. When I was a kid, having cereal for every meal was one of my many dreams, as was having a large bowl of fruit snacks just to myself, playing video games the entire weekend with only breaks for, you know, sleeping, and then also going to Toys R Us and participating in the Super Toy Run, where you would get three minutes in the store with a cart and you could fill up as much as you want as long as you were at the cash register by the time the three minutes was over, you got everything in your cart. And since I've been an adult, I've gotten to do all of these things. Well, except for the Toys R Us fun run. I'm still hoping for that one though. When I was was a child, I also did many things that I shouldn't have. I got angry at my sister and I lashed out. I would lie to my parents to keep myself out of trouble. I stole a pack of gum from the store and then proceeded to chew every piece of gum on the way to the car so that my mother wouldn't catch me, which incidentally is the exact reason that she caught me, (laughs) because I got in the car with a mouthful of gum. I lacked self-control because self-control is something that's learned. When you're young, you learn it through delayed gratification. The video that always comes to my mind when we talk about this kind of subject is the marshmallow test. This is a test where an adult takes a child and they put them in a room with a marshmallow and they say, you can eat this marshmallow if you want, but if you wait until I come back, I'll give you another marshmallow and then you can have two. You can see On this next picture the anguish on this poor boy's face he tries to wait patiently he ignores the marshmallow he smells the marshmallow he covers it up and looks away tries not to think about it he smells it a second time and eventually the adult comes back sees that he hasn't eaten it has just smelled it a lot and they give him a second marshmallow which he promptly shoves both into his mouth This is an example of how we learn self-control. I will do the hard thing now for the greater reward later. I will wait seven minutes in a room with a marshmallow without eating it so that I can have two marshmallows later. I will get up early and go to the gym every day so that I can have a body that I and other people will like. I will put money into my savings account or my IRA so that when I'm 65 or 70 I will have enough money to retire on, hopefully. I will follow these difficult rules of my religion so that when I die I will be rewarded for my good behavior. This is how we tend to view self-control. But Jesus in our scripture today totally subverts our expectations of self-control our scripture today, we see Jesus tempted by the devil three times. The first thing the devil tempts Jesus with is food. We're told that Jesus had been fasting for 40 days. And I'm going to be honest with you right now. If I had been fasting for 40 days, I don't care who's offering me bread. I'm taking the bread. But instead, Jesus holds his ground and quotes scripture to dissuade the devil. Not because Jesus knew that if he waited, he would be getting double bread later, either. The second thing that the devil tempts Jesus with is power. The devil shows Jesus all the kingdoms of the earth and says, all of these can be yours. But again, Jesus uses scripture to say no. Finally, the devil, seeing a pattern in the last two, quotes scripture to Jesus and essentially says, do you really think that your relationship with God is, like, that good? I mean, I bet he wouldn't even catch you if you jumped from this height. You should totally test him and do it. The devil is being that bad friend in a rom-com who's telling the main character to follow their boyfriend or girlfriend to see if they're cheating or not. Just check his phone. I'm sure he's cheating. Again, Jesus rebuts with more scripture, and the devil seems to get a little bit tired of the back and forth and just leaves. Now what's amazing to me is that in none of these instances does Jesus say, I'm not going to do that, because if I wait, I'm going to get something even better. Instead, Jesus quotes scripture, meaning that he's falling back onto his moral core, onto his beliefs. He's acting out of a place of integrity. You see, delayed gratification, my friends, is still at its core, self-serving. You're saying no to dessert so that you can have more dessert later. You're working out so that you can look sexy for whoever you want to look good for. You're putting money away so that you can have money later your being good, so that you can go to heaven. But Jesus' actions show us that self-control isn't about delayed gratification, but instead it's about doing what is right even when it's hard simply because it is right. One of my favorite quotes from a show called Doctor Who, which which is the show that I love, and if you've never seen it, it's really nerdy, so don't look it up and judge me. Unless you like nerdy things, then watch it, it's great. But my favorite quote is, only in darkness are we revealed. Goodness is not goodness that seeks advantage. Good is good in the final hour, in the deepest pit, without hope, without witness, without reward. I feel like this truly gets to the heart of what self-control should be about. To truly be doing good in the world, you would have to do the same thing if there was no one seeing you do it, and if there was no reward for you doing it, but simply because it is the good thing to do. It is so much easier just to do things that benefit ourselves, either in the short or the long term, but Jesus' actions spur us instead to control our self-serving desires. When we want to blow up at someone who has angered us because it would feel so good to do so, we need to have self-control and look for what would benefit others and not just ourselves. When we want to talk about someone behind their back because we just heard the juiciest gossip, or as the kids say, tea, we have to control ourselves and think about others when we would rather not engage in difficult conversations because that kind of effort is hard and our friends might disagree and it could cause tension on the relationship, we need to ask, for whose benefit are we really avoiding these topics? Jesus calls us to have a self-control that is not based on what we can get, but on what we can add to the whole. This, however, is the part of the sermon where I have to ask a question. Why on Ash Wednesday? Why am I preaching this sermon on Ash Wednesday? Well, partially, it's because Ash Wednesday is the beginning of Lent, and usually in Lent we give something up for 40 days. Chocolate, or eating out, or pop, or soda, whatever you call it. Or we try to add something to our routines that we don't normally do, morning devotions or more praying or reading the Bible daily. And all of these things take self-control. It takes control to stay away from something that you love or to add something to your day-to-day. The other part of the answer, though, becomes more clear when I ask the question this way. Why am I giving this sermon on Ash Wednesday, a day where we remember our own mortality? a day where in a little bit you will come forward and a pastor will put ash on your forehead or hand and say to you, from dust you came, and to dust you will return, or something similar. Typically, when we hear of our own mortality and we actually allow it to sink in, it can put a lot of things into perspective. It can motivate us to spend more time with family and less time at work. It can inspire us to call someone who we haven't spoken to in a long, long time, either because of a fight we had or just because life gets busy. It can bring about forgiveness that seemed would never come. It can help us take next steps that we were too afraid to take before. There have been umpteen songs written about living like you were dying and all of that that it can inspire. And I think that that is exactly why today is the perfect day to talk about self-control. Our own mortality points us back to our morality. It reminds us to give generously, to love radically, to forgive freely, to help others, to do all of these things in lieu of hoarding for ourselves. It reminds us that life is far too short to spend time holding grudges or causing pain or losing our tempers or spreading grief and darkness. Life should be lived in a fuller way specifically because it is so fleeting. So tonight, as you receive your ashes and throughout this Lenten season, my prayer for you is that you remember your mortality, that this inspires you to control the draw to hold on to your own desires and instead to live fully into what Jesus sees as a purposeful life. Amen. Thanks for listening. And if you want to
0: learn more about First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights, please visit www.firstpresah.org for more information on service times, directions, and to learn more about the First Prez family of faith.